0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the village family. We're about to get started. Please make your way on into the sanctuary. Good morning. Make your way on in and we're going to get started here in just a second. Good morning. Welcome once again to the Village Church. We're so glad to have you here. To all of our visitors, welcome. In the um, in the program, there, there there is a QR code um, for the visitors that will lead you to um, all of the information about the Village Church. Um, I invite you to scan that that QR code. Please leave us, us your your information. That way, we can get better connected um, because we want to make sure that you are very well welcomed here at the Village Church. Amen. I don't have any of the any more announcements. Yes, sir. Please come.
1: Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord, Lord, saints. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we're rejoicing in it, giving honor to our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, to the ministers on the roster. Dr. James, and each of you, my brothers and sisters. I want to say thank you for coming out today. It's been a blessing to just be here and be in a land of the living. One more time, amen? Amen. But uh, we got a special event coming up this week. I would like to thank publicly, um, the McClures. Uh, Kate McClure and her husband, they have done a wonderful job with our youth, um, just making sure they're staying busy and active. And what I love about the youth most of all is, they have an opportunity to establish bonds and relationships that most kids don't have at their age where they can have an accountability partners. It's important to have somebody you can come and talk to and knowing that they have your best interest at hand. So I want to say that it's important that we support them. With that said, being said is we also gonna have men that's going to be cooking our men's group. Men's leaders going to be cooking for the youth on Saturday morning as they end the lock in for this week. I'm looking for all the men to come out and support them. Because we, what we don't want is for them to feel like we're not their support. But also we want them to know that we love them. We appreciate them. The kids go out in the community and we're teaching them about not being consumers, but being a vital use for God's people and feeding the people and just getting out in the community. So we got to demonstrate that. We got enough sin that we demonstrate on our own by mistake. Let's demonstrate the positive things that we can do for our youth. So on Saturday morning, I'm looking to see all men show up here, and we're going to cook breakfast for them and fellowship. Amen. Amen. Mm, I hear a lot of men say, "Amen." So hold on, Amen. Amen. Okay, okay, that feels a little bit better. A little bit. Oh, Amen.
0: Thank you, brother. Now, as we shift into this time of praise and worship, let us take a moment to settle ourselves and reflect on our week. There it is. Let's 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 take a moment to settle ourselves and reflect on our week and then begin to give praise to a God who is a good God. Amen. He's a worthy God. He's an awesome God. And he's worthy of all of our praise and our adoration and all of the glory. Amen. So let's take a moment silently. And then we'll sing this song that says, thank you, Lord.
2: You've been my friend, oh, you've been my friend, and I just want to thank you, Lord. Everybody raise your voice, say, you've been so good.
0: worship if you have it in the bulletin and it's on the screen I'll read the part where it says leader and we will all respond where it says people this call to worship comes to us from Psalm 136 verses 1 through 4 and again I'll I'll read the part that says leader and you all respond with the part that says people give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Right, y'all, y- y'all have to loosen up a little bit. I need y'all to clap with me so we can sing all the way through the song. All right, y'all know the words of this one. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Oh, say, Blessed be. Blessed be your name When I'm found in the desert place Though I walk through the wilderness Blessed be your name Every blessing Let's make one big choir Every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise Y'all sound real good, come on When the darkness closes Then Lord,
2: still I will
0: your name, blessed be your name, on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain
2: in the offering.
3: Good morning, everyone. It is so awesome to see each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, In the words of Lyle Lee, you all look beautiful this morning. Um, I particularly want to welcome our guests who are here. So glad you're here with us on this uh, rainy day today. But I'm glad that you have uh, come to be with us in the house of the Lord here. I did want to just say something uh, very quickly. Welcome Dr. Thad James to our pulpit. Uh, uh, Our pastor, Alex, is at an LDR event uh, over in Atlanta, and so thankfully, Dr. James has agreed to come and give him a break uh, from the pulpit today. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to hear about the scripture from Deuteronomy today. Um, Y'all can be seated. (laughs) I should have said that to begin with. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just am here trying to still my own heart. I just pray for each one of us as we come into this place that your spirit would be with us, that you would give us that sense of peace beyond understanding that only comes from you. Draw us into your presence here, Father, that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. Uh, As your scripture says, he is the radiance of your glory and the exact representation of your nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. There's nothing that has been created or ever will be created that did not get created through your son, Jesus. And we just thank you so much, Father, for him. He entered into this world, giving up the riches of heaven, lived the life we could not live, died the death we deserved, and through his resurrection now gives us eternal life in him. Father, we just thank you that you are our strength. You're our shield. You're our salvation. You're the lifter of our head when we're down. You're our rock, our fortress, our stronghold, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Father, your scripture says you are our light and our salvation, and surely we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, you are omniscient, omnipresent, transcendent, and imminent. You are our all in all, and we just praise you for who you are. These things we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Our confession of sin comes from Titus 3, three. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others. And hating one another. Let's just spend a few moments in silent confession of our sins in this past week sins of omission, sins of commission. assurance of pardon the good news comes from titus 3 but when the goodness and loving kindness of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the holy spirit whom he poured out on us richly through jesus christ our savior so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Thanks be to God. Our scripture reading today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Dear O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words, which I commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. And when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Mm.
0: y'all to sing this one with me too, okay? I know y'all know the words of this one, right? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall
2: I fear? Y'all sound good. I'll be afraid. The Lord is my light and salvation.
4: that Lyle says lovely faces pretty faces well some yes some no so we won't we won't point fingers at anybody so good morning village church thank you for the opportunity to come and to to share with you today. I've been here quite a few times before and thank you from Birmingham Theological Seminary that you allow us to have classes here where Marcus is one of our current students, as is, where is he? He's on West Coast time. (laughs) He's coming, okay. My other little boy, (laughs) Lyle. Okay. And Lyle's one of our doctoral students. So again, we thank you guys for allowing us to, to have classes here. And again, greetings from Birmingham Theological Seminary, greetings from Household of Faith Presbyterian Church in America in Birmingham, where Larry Cockrell is the senior pastor there, and I'm traveling with my, my grandson, Connor. Uh, he's my bodyguard. He takes care of his old man, Papa, so, so you've got to get through him to get to me, and it, is, it, it really is a, a joy to be here. It's um, And when you listen to each one of the songs, you know, the prayer that the the elder made. And, you know, God is our hope. He is our ever-present help in time of trouble. And when things don't go the way that we think they should go, or, you know, God is always always present. Uh, And we have to trust. Exactly 18 months ago yesterday, my wife went to be with the Lord through COVID and pneumonia. And still, even though it's been 18 months, I was... We were kind of talking this morning, and you know, it's, still, it's still hard to, to believe. You know? But again, God. God gets us through. So if you think about each one of the th- even this last song that, that was sang, where are we today in this country? We have all types of, of divisions, all types of things separating us, whether it's ethnicity, nationalities, ages, uh, socioeconomic, male, female, there's anger, there's depression, drugs, attempted suicides, just all sorts of things that are happening in this world. And at the end of the day, who are people identifying with? You know, there's over 200 plus identities that you can be classified as today, not just male and female, but you could be all kinds of things today. And so who do, we, who do we trust in? Who do we have our faith in? Are we professing? God, God as our fortress, as our rock, as our buckler, as our shield, as our ever-present help in time of trouble? Or are we focusing on money? Are we focusing on stuff? Are, is the politics, is the governor, government, who is going to fix everything? There's only one solution, and that is God. And we have to put our faith and trust in our Lord. Now, you just read the passage, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, And that's called the the Shema. And so I pose this question to you. How many of you woke up this morning with a burning desire to read Leviticus and Numbers? No? Well, you know what Deuteronomy means, don't you? Repetition of the law or the second law. In Hebrew, it's... These are the words. So what is the difference between Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy? Well, Moses actually is being more pastoral. Moses, this is really sermons and testimonies that Moses is giving to Israel. His farewell speech. He knows that, okay, you rebellious, stiff-necked people, I listen to you instead of listening to God. I hit the rock the second time instead of speaking to it, so all I can do is just look over. Okay? <clears throat> and so, but he's giving these words of, of encouragement to motivate them, to remind them of who God is, and to seek to be faithful to God, again, to this rebellious, stiff necked people. And so now we have an opportunity for Israel, but also for us, to understand who God is. You know, I have, we have 66 books in the Bible. Now, I have two favorites, and not that one is better than the other than the other is 64, but one is Deuteronomy. Why? Deuteronomy tells us who God is and what our role, how we are supposed to respond and act and love God. The other one is John. I love the book of John. Well, John tells us who Jesus the Christ is, that He is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Logos. That ever that eternity that the Greeks were looking for, that eternality that put all this into place and holds it into place is the logos And that's who they were looking for. But also in 14, 15, and 16, John tells us who the Holy Spirit is. And actually we see the triune God here. So again, he is telling us that we are to be willing, faithful, and obedient servants to God. Now, look what it's how Moses starts this off. In, in 6.1, he says, Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson, now that includes females too, and you use the New American Standard, the Word of God. Okay. For you other people, I don't know what you're using. But okay. So that you, may, that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it might be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. And if you don't mind, I'll read the Shema again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your You shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Father, we thank you. We love you. Bless you, Lord God. Thank you for the great love that you've given us in Jesus the Christ and the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, Lord God, but also to convict us of our sins. We do pray for Pastor Alex, Lord God, and the rest of the people at the LDR, that they would have a blessed and glorious meeting, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the rain, because without the rain we can't have growth. But we also thank you for the sunshine, Lord God, and the bountiful blessings that you give to us that do not deserve anything. So bless our time today, Lord God, to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this Shema is the great confession of Israel. This is how the relationship with Israel is to God and God's relationship to Israel. But now also, as the elect, as the called out ones, we can take application to this to us today. To an Orthodox Jew, they recited this along with Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21, and Numbers 15, 37 through 41, they recited these twice daily. They had these verses memorized. These were part of who they, who they are. It was the foundation, the plumb line, the canon, by which everything in their lives revolved around. Everything was the knowledge of God under his authority, under his sovereignty, and under the kingship of Yahweh. Again, this was written to Israel, but as the elect, we can take application and understand, too, what is our relationship with God to be. So we see in verse 4 the absolute monotheism, the worship of the one true God. In verse 5, we have the unwavering, holistic, unconditional love for God that we are supposed to have. And then verses 6 through 9 We have the steadfast commitment of our hearts and minds to the teachings of Scripture when they're rightly interpreted and rightly applied. Hear, O Israel. Now, when when God repeats things, then he's telling us, pay attention. Ten times in Deuteronomy, you see, hear, O Israel. So, Shema, that's the word in Hebrew. Now, when you translate words from one language to another, it doesn't matter what language it is, there is never a word-for-word translation. So when we see here, what that is saying is that here, but there's an expectation of listening and obedience. So what God is saying here is, listen to what I'm about to tell you, and I expect you to do it. It's not saying, I would like for you to do it. This is an imperative. This is a command, and it's also second person, so it's pointing to us. It's pointing to the readers. And so what are we to understand and what are we to do? God is making a covenant commitment to Israel, but we are to make a covenant commitment, although we are covenant breakers, to obey. And we see here that it talks about blessings and curses. And we see in the latter chapters of of Deuteronomy, blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. Hear, O Israel, listen to what we're about to tell you, and there is an expectation of obedience, a command of obedience. And then he says, O Israel, what is Israel? What does Israel mean? Now people, oh, well, that's the people of God. Well, yes, but who was named Israel? Jacob. In 32 of Genesis, after 32 of Genesis, Jacob is wrestling with God, a theophany. And You know you can't wrestle with, with God. Zap, you're through. Okay? And so what happened? Well, he did zap him in his hip. But he changed his name to Israel. Israel means he who struggles with God. He who wrestles with God. Now, what is God saying there? Think about that. Listen to me. I expect you to obey and do what I say, O Israel, you who struggle with me, you who wrestle with God. And who were they? They were this rebellious, stiff-necked people. And now we have another generation because God wiped out the original generation. Why? Because of their struggling with him, because of their rebellion. So we look at this, and God does have a sense of humor. So I'm expecting you to obey, even though I know you're not going to listen and do what I say because you struggle with me. And then he says, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. So now if you think about that 40 year journey of going across, going across the desert, going across the wilderness, they encountered a lot of different people groups, polytheism, pagan belief systems. All of these gods that existed in the ancient Near East, they were coming across. But now they're about to cross into Canaan. They're crossing into the promised land. So Moses is telling them, the Lord is our God. The Lord. The Lord Yahweh. The Lord Jehovah. When Moses in Exodus, when he, God said, you got to go back and get your people. Oh, wait a minute, God, God, time out. I can't go back to Egypt. They're going to kill me if I go back. Plus, I have a hard time speaking. You know I'm slow of tongue. I I stutter. I stammer. I can't talk. I got that covered, Moses. You got your brother Aaron over here. He can talk. So you're going to go back. Well, but who shall I say sent me? I am who I am. He who was, he who is, he who is to come to always be. The eternal God, the wise God, the God without beginning, the God without end. The Alpha, the Omega. He who spoke this world into existence, the creator God, mighty, awesome, omniscient, omnipresent, God of everything. I'm sending you over there. So don't worry about that. That's who Lord is, Yahweh, the unspoken name that they could not even say. So what are we to do? We are to love him, to fear him, to reverence him, to worship him, to hear him, to obey him. Why? Why? Because he is totally self-existent. I love what the Westminster Confession says about God. There is but one holy, living, and true God, who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable, and most righteous will. Not through yet. For his glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just, and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. God has all life, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone is and in all his commands and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he has made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, unto, and upon them. He is alone, the fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things, and has most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them, whatsoever he himself pleases. In his sight all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature. So as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain, he is most holy in all his counsels, in all his work, and in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men, and every other creature, whatsoever worship, service, or obedience, he is pleased to require of them. That is God the Father and also God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But do we have an understanding today of who God is? He's not your homeboy. He's not your co-pilot. He's not the man upstairs. That is totally disrespectful and irreverent to who God is. He is everything. And then look what it says here. It says that, The Lord is our God. I will be your God and you will be my people. That is a promise. But now God is Elohim. Elohim is God in his power. God in his majesty. But it's also an allusion to God in his plurality. So again, now God knows what they are about to encounter as they're going. There's going to be a lot more attacks against you from all these other belief systems to draw you to them. So stay true to the one true God. And he says that God is the Lord is one. So now Elohim is an allusion to the Trinity, to the plurality of God. So he's saying the Lord Jehovah Yahweh is Elohim, our God in plurality, Our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is three but one. He is one in three persons. Now we see that God the Son, who again is embodied in creation, John 1, 1 through 4 tells us that nothing was created that was created apart from him, that he is our all in all, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit did what? He hovered over the... the, emptiness that was there. The Holy Spirit parted the Red Sea. The Holy Spirit gave us gave strength and power in the Old Testament for moments. He came upon us so that now all of us can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. On the resurrection, who brought our Lord and Savior back? The Holy Spirit. So we see Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three working together to help us to be and in this Christian walk. God the Creator the Son refers us to the Father. I do nothing on my own, but only what the Father tells me to do. Jesus in John tells us that he explains, he exigeo exegesis, he brings out the Father in the flesh of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit does, and people get when people tell me, well, the Holy Spirit told me this. How come he didn't say anything to me? But also, does he still does he speak like that through his word and through preaching, through the studying of the word? But the Holy Spirit is not separate from the Trinity. He's not running around doing all kind of crazy things. Okay? The Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus tells us, he does nothing of his own initiative, but only what the Father and the Son tell him to do. So what is the job of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is to bring us to Jesus. That is the function. So when somebody says, well, the Holy Spirit said this, how does that bring me to Jesus? How does that explain and bring clarity to Jesus? That is the responsibility. So now we have three persons, one God, they're co-equal, but then the Father is here and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How does all that work out? We have faith and we trust in God. <laughs> so again, the Lord is one. And so we still have today, we're still fighting, there's still belief systems that believe in modalism or Sabellianism, where it's three manifestations that in the Old Testament he's God, then he decides to be Jesus in the Gospels, and then he's the Holy Spirit and the rest. So it's it's three different modes. So God changes. okay? And then he tells us, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. What is to be? What is Israel supposed to do? Well, God wants all of us to have an intimate love relationship with him, a personal love relationship with him. Eleven times in Deuteronomy we see this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So again... How are we to relate to God? We are to love Him. To love Him how? Well, we are to love Him with all of our heart. Now, to us, a heart is just this thing that's beating in our chest. Our heart, we love. We love from our heart. To the to the Israelites, to the Jews, the heart was everything that you are. Your heart was your mind. Your heart was your will. Actually, your emotions, everything that you have within you was in your heart. And then you have your soul. What is your soul? Well, remember in Genesis again when God took the dirt and he breathed, he breathed a living soul into Adam. Our soul is our connection to God. Our soul, every single person, I don't care who it is and what your belief system is, you're going to worship something. You are going to idolize, You are, whether it's a rock, it's a tree, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to worship something. Our soul is how we can worship. God built us. He created us to worship. And then he says, with all of your might, with all of your strength. Well, with every fiber of our being, we are to love God. Now in the Gospels, when the, when the scribe, the Pharisees come and they ask Jesus, trying to trick him, which... How do you trick Jesus? Yeah, they tried, yeah. So what is the greatest commandment? So Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. But then what did he do? He added mind in there because he's primarily speaking to a Greco-Roman audience who the mind, philosophy, intelligence, that was the key to them. So for them to understand the depth of the love that we are supposed to have, he added mind in there. And then what else did he add? It's not new that we are to love one another. Back in Leviticus 19:18, we are called to love our neighbor. So that encompasses all ten of the Ten Commandments. To love God, one through four. To love one another, five through ten. So we focus on God, we focus on one another as the greatest commandment. So how are we to love God? We're not to have any craven images, any idols, nothing before us. But today in our culture, in our me, 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 selfie, it's all about me, what I want, what do we worship? What do we idolize? Look at look at the commercials on television. Get the right deodorant. Get the right uh, cologne. I prefer Bath and Body Works as far as the soaps and the... And the the lotions. Uh, It works. (laughs) I smell good. (laughs) Okay. And so, but if you get the right thing, you get the right car, you get the right clothes, then everything's going to work out for you. Has that worked out for anybody? Only in God. Only in God. That's what's causing so much confusion is that our identities are tied to other people or other things. And that's why young people, you know the suicide rate for young people is off the charts. It is astronomical. Our biblical counselings biblical counselors in Birmingham, uh, particularly one who focuses on on youth, she is just inundated she just she could counsel twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Why? Because there's no identity. The children don't know who they are. and then he says. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. The words, the law, the Torah, the words in these first five books, they're to be on your heart, these sacred writings. You know, Timothy tells us that all of Scripture is inspired, is God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? that we can be adequately equipped for all good works. God equips us for what he's going to call us to do. And so, again, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Okay. Now, I'm going to come back to that, or we'll close with that one because it's, it's important. And then he says, teach your children diligently. Teach them diligently. So that word in Hebrew is "sanan." Now that's the only time you will ever see that word associated with teaching. There's about 12 different root Hebrew words for for the word "teach." "Sanan" means to sharpen. It means to hone. Any other time in the Old Testament when you see that word, it's associated with a sword or with a with a knife. In fact, it is inferring just as God cut into the. The tablets of stone for the Ten Commandments, that is how we are to teach our children. Precisely, purposefully, intentionally, again, diligently, incisively. I love what you said about, about the children and what you guys are doing. Here. And also, you said something very important there, too. Who is responsible? In the Old Testament, who was responsible for teaching? The Father. Who's responsible for teaching today? The mother. Not beating up on mothers. You guys have done a great job. But just like in the garden, here, honey, take a bite of this fruit. Oh, no, 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 we shouldn't do that. God said, oh, yes, I will. Whatever you say, I'm going to bite into that. And so we have abdicated our, our roles. A couple of other responsibilities that I have, I chair a board called Jumpstart. It's a prison recidivism program. We also teach seminary classes at Bibb County Correctional Facility, a a prison in Brent, Alabama. And something that I remind the men of all the time, and they're teaching manhood. They're teaching how to be fathers because they know that they made mistakes and they're not with their their children. I also chair the board of a school of at-risk youth when young people have been kicked out of public school, when they've been kicked out of alternative school. And they have, and also for right now, we've added on some young men that have brought guns to school. So you are definitely out. And more often than not, what is the missing component? And this doesn't matter ethnic, uh, whether what, what your ethnicity is. This is across the board. What is missing? What has happened? Father. And our culture, our culture has eliminated father. And a lot of the TV shows, particularly Disney—it's not the Disney that I grew up on. Disney is different. I mean, let you know we don't—we watch the Disney Plus because we can watch movies on there. But the TV shows—they're anti-father. They are anti-male. The men are dumb. If there's any present, they are dumb. They are ignorant. Who rules? The girls rule. The children, primarily the girls, rule, and the bo- and the boys are eliminated. So fathers, we are to teach our children diligently, explicitly, incisively, intensively to train them up. When children ask questions about church, we are losing the millennial generation. And that happens also with X, Z, and now a lot of these are in generation A, alpha. What is happening with the alpha generation? How blessed it is that you guys are bringing your children here and having them sit in church. That is important. You know, when did, um you know, I grew up Roman Catholic in the 50s and the 60s. And we had catechism before church, but we sat in on the mass. It was in Latin, didn't know what was going on, but we sat in on the, on the mass. And I tell people, you guys aren't like a lot of the Presbyterians. You guys have some humor. A lot of the other Presbyterians, I have to make them, come on now. I said, you, you guys cannot be any more stiff than me. I grew up, again, as a Roman Catholic in the 50s and 60s. Those nuns were the Holy Spirit. They were everywhere. And they had a 12-inch ruler that was 10 feet long. And they could tap you wherever they were. But also, if you behaved, there was always those old ladies that would give you a nickel or a diamond, maybe even a quarter. Now, that may not sound like much, but you could get a big box of candy for a nickel. A quarter, that's a soda and three boxes of candy. You could, you could, oh, yes, yeah, some cookies too. Big cookies. The boxes have gotten about that big now, and you're paying a whole lot more for them. I was telling Connor, I said, yesterday we, we were getting gas. And he said, Look at that, Papa. And I said, Connor, when I was your age, gas was 25 cents a gallon. In a gas war, that was my freshman year of college. 1969, for those of you who are wondering. Gas was 25 cents a gallon. You could have a gas war, and gas was 11 cents. The cheapest ever paid for gas was 11 cents a gallon. Now, I had a 64 Chevy Impala with a 327, so that thing and four-barrel carburetor. So I wasn't going very far, and I didn't have any money anyway, so it didn't matter how much gas cost. Okay, but again now, so we are to nurture our children. We are to guide them, to lead them to Instruct them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But now that begins at home. The church reinforces that, but that's not necessarily the church's responsibility. It's our responsibility to train our children. And he says, look what he he says here. When you sit in your house, so that is formal, purposeful, planned training, that is special revelation where you are reading Scripture. Not just reading scripture, though, but that's anything that we can do to teach our children. And then it says, when you walk by the way, look at the beauty of nature. Look at the trees. Look at the stars. Look at all the different animals that God has created. You know, last year we went to the to the Ark, the creation museum, and one part of that, uh, they have all these bugs. I don't know why God decided to do all these bugs. Particularly, roaches, mosquitoes. Well, uh, I, I was born in New Orleans. I never really lived there. My dad was in the Air Force, but every summer we'd go back. My gr- my mother grew up on the Bayou. The mosquitoes were so thick they blocked out the sun. So they really don't bother me now. I guess they had enough of me when I was young. But look at all the look at all the cr- the creation. That cannot be evolution. You know, how do you get an aardvark? What did it come from? What do you mix to get an bark? Or a platypus. That's God. It has to be God because you can't mix anything to get that. And then he says here, when you lie down and when you rise up, every opportunity, pray before you go to bed, pray when you get up. First thing in the morning you should do is to pray. So every opportunity is to teach our children about God. And that's what our responsibility is. And then he says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So, again, the frontals. Uh, in, the, in the New Testament, it's the phylacteries. So what were the phylacteries? Little leather pouches that they had off their wrists, little leather pouches that were hanging down from their, from their headbands. What was in there? Well, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Deuteronomy 11, And the numbers passages, those were written in those phylacteries, those little leather pouches. But then it also but that was to remind them of their relationship with God. And so that when the when the children said, Hey Pops, what's up with that? Well, this is what I'm going to tell you about God. And then he says, You shall bind them, I'm sorry, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So now On the gate coming into the house, they had Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. On the doorpost, you had Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. The gates was where business was conducted so that you were under the authority of God as you were doing business. When you walked into the house, you were under the authority of God and a constant reminder of who God is and what our relationship with God is to be. But what happened? They kept external. We are to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Understand our creation in God, our redemption in Christ, our sanctification in the Holy Spirit. We are to be obedient to the king when he said, you go in and you conquer the land. In chapter 8 he says, but don't forget. In fact, in here he says, then I shall come about, in in verse 10, then I shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. You eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. We can get comfortable. We can get content. And think that all this stuff is going to bring us satisfaction. But it's not. Do we know who we are? We are adopted as children. We are heirs to the king. We are a new family of brothers and sisters. Mothers, fathers, grandparents. We are new creations. Old things have passed. All things have become new. But what happened with Israel? Jesus said in Matthew 23, 5, But they will all do their deeds to be noticed by men. They broadened their phylacteries and lengthened the tassels on their garments. So what did they do? Those little pouches kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that meant that they were more holy or more righteous in reference to God. But what did they not do? What did verse 6 say? These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. God from the beginning was seeking to have An internal theology. Everything they did was external. Living by the law. He said we are to hide the word in our heart. We are to eat the scroll. Meditate on these words day and night. We are to be people of the word. Our living purpose. Everything that we do. Again, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. Now what are all these things? The fact that you got up this morning, that's one of the things. The fact that you are prayerfully in good health, that's one of these things. Your children are doing well, that's one of these things. God didn't promise you were going to be healthy and wealthy. That is not a promise of of God. So again, what are we to do? Well, we are to be obedient to God. You know, what is the condition of our hearts? You know, Genesis 6-5 says that, you know, the heart of man was on evil continually. How long is continually? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year is continually. What will we do apart from God? You know, I said that, you know, every Thursday morning, I'm at Bibb County Correctional Facility. I have 12 Birmingham Theological Seminary students. We've had two graduating classes already and they are doing they are doing great work behind those walls. I know them now. I know what God has done in their lives. Now, two weeks ago I went to a hearing for one of our one of our graduates and again I know what this man did. And to my fault I didn't really think about the victims. And when I heard some of the things, now all of them weren't for this particular guy, but we sat through four different hearings. We've all, in our lifetimes, have hurt people. We can go back and we can apologize to those people. We can, we can repent. We can seek forgiveness. And the one thing that I've learned more and more and more is that forgiveness is crucial. You know, God says that we are to forgive, but if we don't forgive, he doesn't forgive us. And so I'm impressing now more and more and more upon our men that, yes, God may have forgiven you, but what about the people that were affected by this? And we affect people too. And so forgiveness is very, very important. Again, that's seeking first the kingdom that we seek. You know, in in, in John 13, 34 and 35, the mark of a Christian. Jesus told the disciples that we are to love one another as he has loved us. How did he love us to the cross? That's how he loved us. That's how we are to love one another. So what do we learn from the from the Shema? Look at Psalm 18, and you kind of were quoting from, from some of Psalm 18. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. God is Abba, Father, Daddy. We can have that intimate relationship with him. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He is creator. He is God Almighty. He is most high. He is our hope. As the song that Marcus was was leading us in. He is our peace, our righteousness. He is our salvation. God is mercy. God is grace. And he is just. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. He is our all and our everything. Hear, O Israel. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord that you've given us your written word and you've given us the living word in Jesus the Christ. Father, help us to truly hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Our hearts can be deceitful, Lord God. Our hearts can be ever-changing. But when we, as Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone would open the door and let me in, I would dine or sup with him. So, Father, help each one of us to open up those individual chambers in our hearts that we have not surrendered to you. Father, I pray a blessing over every man, every woman, every child here today, every family, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to walk in integrity, be like the blessed man in Psalm 1. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen.